Good morning. We are so glad that you can be with us at Central Church today. It's a little bit different sermon than what we normally have. This is Pastor Todd. If you haven't had a chance to meet Pastor Todd, he has been on staff here for six years. Todd, do you remember we were kicking around talking about the vision of this place and where we were headed and what we were going to embrace. And through our actions, through our love, through our wrestling with some of the issues with them, being with them and working with them, we want them to draw out of us and say, no, you guys, you guys there on Bristol Road, you're for us. That, that, that church on, on Bristol Road, they really care for us. They love us. They, they are a part of us. They are us. Amen. We can't say that. Right, right. We got to have our brothers and sisters in the city say that. Right, right. And so we talked about that before is that through a relationship we have with the city, they come to know that we will show up at their most need. And then when we show up, we show love. And then they do say, yeah, they're not just talk. They're actually walking the walk with us as we wrestle. Here's a, here's a good question that just came in. I'll ask it to you, Todd, and see how you answer it. This is kind of a free flow. We really pray for the Holy Spirit to direct us because we don't know what you're going to ask. But here's the first one. It says, what if we don't live in Flint? Should I drive in and get involved or seek to get plugged in closer to where I live? What would you say to the answer of that question? I would say yes. I'm reminded of, I think it's John 4 and 4, where it says, it's talking about Jesus and you know the story where he has this encounter with uh, the woman at the well. But John 4 and 4 says, but he had to go into Samaria. And so I would say, you don't necessarily have to live in Flint, but are you willing to go? Are you willing to offer yourself the resources, the knowledge, the skills, the time, the commitment? I'm reminded of the concept within our denomination, prevenient grace, the grace that goes before. And so are we willing to go? You know, our faith is inseparable from our actions. And, you know, we have on, on these shirts that some of us are wearing today, it has the in Flint uh, statement there, but the in is in this little box. And that little box, I mean, you can't really tell because it's just this little box, but that's really Genesee County. That's a map of Genesee County. And we're saying if we're a part of Genesee County, then we're a part of, of Flint. And whether I live in Grand Blank, Todd lives in Flint, but, but this, is, this is our city. You know, when I tell people, because they don't know what Grand Blank is for crying out loud. They can't pronounce it even if they read it. They, but uh, they all know Flint. And most generally, they, they think negatively when they hear that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this is about. We, we've been here 100 years. We're celebrating it all year long. 100 years in this city. But I believe that God has, has given us these last hundred years so that we might bless the city for the next hundred years. That's our, that's our goal. Amen. That, that's what we want. And so when we pray the prayer in Flint as it is in heaven, you know, I often think, what, what would that look like? What would God's kingdom look like in Flint as it is in heaven? That's... You know, what's heaven like is what we're saying. If, if God really wants to answer that prayer, and I don't know why in the world he would teach us to pray it if he didn't want, us, want to answer that prayer. Right? Why, why, would he, why wouldn't he just skip over, may your will be done and your kingdom come on earth, in earth as it is in heaven? 
if he didn't want to answer that prayer. I believe God wants to answer that prayer. And so for us here in Flint, when I think of heaven, I think of verses like from, from 2 Corinthians that says, no, no mind has conceived, no, uh, 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 no one can, can know what God has prepared for those that love him. So I think it's, it's beyond our wildest expectations of what God can do. And so the scripture, Revelations 21, 1 through 6, where it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, right? Where there will be no more crying, no more weeping, right? Where everything will be made new. And I think as it relates to our relationship in Flint, you know, we, we always, you know, I read that passage at nearly every funeral. I read it yesterday. But, but the passage we don't always read when we talk about heaven, but we surely should, is from Revelation 7. And John is getting a glimpse of what heaven is going to be like. He said, after this, I looked, and before me there was a great multitude that no one could count. Imagine this. From every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb, and we were wearing white robes and, hand, and holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever Amen. Amen. Every tribe, every people, every nation, every language. Sounds like we're all going to be to heaven. No matter where you're from, no matter what language you speak, no matter what color your skin, God loves everyone. Amen. And that's, and that, if we want God's kingdom to come in Flint as it is in heaven, it seems like it would include some of those things that it would include uh, racial reconciliation, that it would include, if we're talking that heaven is a place where there's no mourning or tears, that it would include going to the hurting and the struggling. If it's a, a place where, where there's no sickness and pain, it, it would include then being there and being advocates for those who struggle with, with different health issues or whatever it may be in life. So why can't that happen here? Right. And I think we forget that God is already in the city. Amen. inviting us to join in on the work and the relationships that he is in. And so the question we often ask ourselves is, are we willing to join in with them? And I know we are. We have been. But as we go deeper in those relationships, we need to be more committed. Well, and how did, you know, what was the, the Jesus model, right? When we think of Jesus, when, when he came to earth, what was his, his model? John 1, 14 says, um, let me get it in, in my Bible here, and then I want to read it in, a, in another version. And J John 1, 14 simply says this. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You've heard that verse. But the message version reads it this way. I love the way the message says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. He came here. He moved in among us. He didn't stay in heaven. He didn't 
land in a palace, he moved into our neighborhood and made a difference in flesh and blood. Oftentimes I'll ask students at the University of Michigan Flint, are you gonna be residents or tourists? And that's not a prox, I mean, that's not a, necessarily a geographical question, it's a heart question. Are you gonna just drive through the city and look and say, ooh, that should be different, that should be better, or are you gonna reside and be committed to developing relationships? The messy part that really is, is spirit-led, spirit-driven, not task-driven, right? I wrestle with those, it's not this church, so the church is right. Well, somebody just asked the question, what ministries are we, are we already involved in in Flint? Mm -hmm. and, and that's a good question. What are we already doing? Well, Todd, you can help me when I skip some. Okay. Um, we talked about our partnership with Joy Tabernacle, where Pastor MacArthur is supposed to come. Keep praying for Pastor MacArthur as, as the Lord brings him to your mind. We really got to know him through the Flint water crisis. Mm -hmm. And there was an individual in our church that had a connection with the Convoy of Hope, and we used that connection then to, to distribute water. The Convoy of Hope brought up, I don't know how many truckloads. Two semi-loads of uh, water every month for at least a year. That's a lot of water. And, and we took it to Joy Tabernacle, distributed it to there, and that was awesome. During that same crisis, I think I've told you the story how a friend of a friend of a friend of mine called me and said, said Rob, you're in, you're in Flint, and I own a a water filtration company, and I'll give the church this, this water filtration system. It'll, it'll cover your whole church. You won't have any problems. It's, it's an $8,000 system. I'm going to give it to the church for free. And I said, well, we don't need it. As we have Detroit, well, we're here at, at our church. We have Detroit water. I said, we don't need it, but I know somebody that could use it. And I said, would you be willing to give it to, to our brothers and sisters at Joy Tabernacle? And they said, sure. And so I, re I remember that day we were down there and, and we had some plumbers installing this system. And Pastor McCatherine came out and he was so happy. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, oh, I'm so thankful. Now my people will be baptized again. Because they didn't want to be baptized in Flint. Well, I never even crossed my mind that that might be an issue. So we have a partnership with, with Joy. You've heard a lot about our partnership with, with Dylan. Many of the students don't live necessarily here, but they may live in Flint. And, and we provide 50 or so um, mentors or people going into the school. Gwen Cousins oversees a lot of that, Gwen and Rashonda. We, we provide 60 bags of groceries every Friday for the students that the school has identified as not getting, uh, uh, maybe not eating over the weekend. Our peak building is used every single day by the Boys and Girls Club of Flint. They have, this is a separate location then for them. That's been going on for about the last two, this Four is years. the first, no, this is the first full year. First full year of being in there every day. Right. We had a couple of summer camps before that just to kind of test the waters and that's been going great. We partner with the church next door, his ministry in providing uh, food. They, they have the space. We provide a lot of the resources and volunteers. In fact, over Christmas, we gave $13,000 worth of Meyer gift cards to, to his ministry that then they will use to purchase food to give to people. Of course, at Christmas time, we gave out hundreds, hundreds, I don't even remember what the total was, seven or 800 gifts to the needy in the city through Angel Tree, through Dylan, through uh, just the community needs that came to us. 
We have relationships with Karistown and Eastside Missions, where we provide support to those ministries. Forge Flint. Forge Flint. Um, all of those things. We have people going nearly, nearly every week, or you can get involved in some of those ministries as well and going. So, so we've been in Flint, but we need to continue. It's, it's using, again, the, the Jesus model. Remember when Jesus first entered into his ministry? He had just been tempted by the devil, and he goes back to Nazareth. And Luke tells us what happens next. Let me, let me read this for you. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were, listened, were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus' ministry, it seems to me, was... Good news for the poor. Mm-hmm. Well, we got some poor folks in Flint. It was, it was freedom for the prisoners. We got a guy in our church, Dennis Winan, who, who works with recently released um, felons in Genesee County, and s- several folks from our church have partnered with them as well. And just Amen. seeing uh, how God has used that ministry in a powerful way, transforming lives over and over again. I just love what's happening with that. Recovered sight for the blind, caring for those who are sick and hurting, and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Right. What does that mean? What is the Lord's favor? What is that, Todd? Right. I think about Leviticus 25, the year of Jubilee, when all wrongs have been righted, right? The restoration of the land. Amen. And that is not just restoring of the land, it's the restoring of families. I think a lot of times I'm reminded of this quote in um, Gregory Boyle's Compassion, um, Tattoos of the Heart, right? Talks about um, compassion, right? And I think a lot of times we, we embrace compassion as we're going to go and be in, right? And go to the margins, and that's compassion. And that's fine, right? But I think the next step is recognizing that we are in kinship with those who are on the margins, that they are our brothers and our sisters. Yeah, the year of the Lord's favor, although, and, and let me just say, there's no record that this ever cap- happened, the year of Jubilee. It's supposed to happen, uh, and there was no record of it actually occurring. When people, if they had been sold themselves into slavery or they had, had taken on such debt that their property, they had to, to uh, uh, give their property away. And the year of the Lord's favor is saying they are now debt-free and they are their property has been restored to them, but it was much more, it was restoring them to the family of God. They were restored to the community. And I think when Jesus is talking about the year of the Lord's favor, it's saying that if we want it to, God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in Flint, in Flint as it is in heaven, the year of the Lord's favor is a plan for restoration. It's a, it's a plan for when you say, oh, and I mentioned this in a sermon a little while ago, 
Oh, where are you from? Flint. Oh, no. I want people to say, where are you from? I'm from Flint. And they say, wow. What God is doing in your city. Or maybe they don't even attribute it to God. The transformation of your city is so incredible. How could that happen? How could that be? How could there be restoration and, and, and people working together like, like we've never seen in, a, in a, a rust town? How could that happen? And we say to that stranger in the airport, there's only one way that could happen. It's because God decided that he was for Flint and he was in Flint and he was with Flint and he is transforming Flint with his people. That's the only way that can happen. That's what we want to proclaim. And once again, I'm reminded of that story where Jesus met the woman at the well. Later on in that story, many came to know him through her what? Her witness, her testimony. A despised Samaritan, right? A woman who had an encounter with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's what the year of Jubilee looks like for me, that people will proclaim who our Lord and Savior is through the relationship they have with us here at the city of Flint and recognize that we just don't say, we do and we be, and we recognize that we're in kinship with one another, right? And that we're willing to offer ourselves whatever we have, our time, our money, our skills, our knowledge, for the sake of not ourselves, but for others. That's what it means to be for. It's the kingdom. I mean, it's with. doing the kingdom work. Amen. Somebody asked the, the question, what would it look like if the Lord's prayers realized? It's all those things. It's, it's when you drive down Flint in some city or some street, maybe Saginaw, maybe Chevrolet, maybe DuPont, whatever, Ballinger, and, and you don't see boarded up buildings or you don't see a uh, 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 some of the troubled spots, but you see God's transformative work. And it happens in, in lives, in relationships. It happens as, as people like you and me get involved and, and care and pray and, and become with them. Again, the Jesus model, not from a distance. He moved into the neighborhood. He cared for people right there where they were. If we can do that, then we'll, we'll, see, we'll see that transformation. And so I'm reminded of Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? What is required of us, right? To present our what? Bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, right? Which is our what? Reasonable service. Right. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the what? Renewing of our mind that which is in Christ Jesus, that we would know what is his good, acceptable, and perfect will. His will is for us to be in relationship with one another. We were created to be in relationship. Our God is a triune God who is relational, right? How can we be anything other than that? I think be not conformed to the, to the, the systems of this world is, is saying we're going to be counter... The, the culture says... Most people think. Most people not from around here. They think, uh, Flint's a lost cause. That's why, that's why they give you that, oh, Flint response. That's what they think. They think it's, it's over. 
You know, everybody move out, man. Lock the doors. Tear everybody thing down. And, and we're saying through Romans 12, we, that is a great holiness passage, by the way, that we are being countercultural. We're saying, no, no, no. If Jesus were walking on earth, where would he be? If Jesus were in the United States, where would he be? Well, I hope he'd be here, but I think he'd leave here and go to DuPont or mm-hmm. Chevrolet or Franklin or Pearson. Amen. And he'd go up to the hurting and he'd go to the troubled and he'd go to those that are lonely. And just like he did when he walked this earth, this isn't, shouldn't be shocking news to us. He'd say, I am with you. I am right here with you. And if we're with him, if we're following after him, if we're being the people that he's calling us to be, then what do we say? Our, our whole motto as a church, the Church of the Nazarene, we're wanting to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. We're wanting to make Jesus followers right here in Flint. Well, what that means, that, that means Jesus followers are doing what Jesus would do. Isn't that, isn't that Amen. what it is? Amen. It's, it's loving the people that Jesus would love. I'm reminded we were at a community reading when we talked about this, and we're in the presence of those who are wrestling with issues of life from the city. And Pastor Rob asked this one young lady, what is it that you're asking of me? She just said, show up. Mm -hmm. Your presence is what we are asking of you. And I'm reminded of that when we are wrestling with issues of life, what do we want? God's presence in our lives. That's what we long for, his presence. Not the answer. I was just going to say that. <laughs> we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to be there and love and continue to love. Last Sunday night, I, I preached in our Sunday night service. We're doing parables been going on forever. I think Jesus is going to return before. He'll be the next one to tell a parable as long as this series has been going on. Anyway, we're telling parables and preaching on them. And It was my turn last week. The pastors divvy it up. And my parable was the parable of the two sons. And you would think with two sons, that I have two sons, I would have preached on that parable before. I never did. First time I ever preached on it. And that parable, if you're not familiar, it's found in Matthew 21. And they're and it's after Jesus, it's the, the day after what we call Palm Sunday. After Jesus went in, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna's, and then remember, he went from Hosanna's, Hosanna's to the temple, flipped over some tables, didn't make the religious leaders all that happy. The next day, he goes back into Jerusalem, he curses a fig tree, the only time that Jesus' miracle works in, towards death rather than life. It's a symbol of what the, the nation of Israel had become, they were all flowery, but they produced no fruit. And Jesus went and he told this parable. He said, there's, there's a guy, vineyard owner. He had two sons. And the one son, he said, would you, would you go and work for me? And the son said, said, no, I won't. But later he did. And he went to the second son and he said, hey, would you go and work for me? And the second son said, yes, I will. But then he didn't. And Jesus looked at these religious leaders who had been rejecting him and who were plotting to kill him. They said, he said, which of these two sons did what the father wanted? And the answer is obvious, right? 
the kid that went out and worked. And Jesus proceeded to tell them that, that the tax collectors and prostitutes were doing what God wanted. They were doing what he said, but those religious leaders were not. And the question comes down to us, I think, are we going to do the Father's work? The, the fields are white into harvest, Jesus said. Mm -hmm. He has planted us here for such a time as this. Are we going to be the people that truly believe that God can work miracles in our city, that he can transform it, that he can restore it? Amen. If we don't believe that, let's lock the doors and quit coming. But if we do believe it, let's come here, get excited, get, get, get uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, be here to encourage one another, but it doesn't stop when we leave at, at 10.33 on a Sunday morning. Amen. Then we move out into the city and we're acting like Jesus and we're caring like Jesus and, and, and you're coming to me. I had a lady come to me this week, I didn't even tell you this, come to me this week and said, so Pastor Rob, did you know that, that Mott College has a food pantry, not for their, the neighbors, but they have a food pantry for students who they're afraid aren't eating. And she was brokenhearted by that news. And she said, well, we, we got to do something about that. I, I hope that happens to all of us. Mm -hmm. I hope you see some need in, the, in, in our city or in Swartz Creek or in Flushing or in Fenton or in Grand Blanc or wherever in our county. And you see that need and you say, Why? wait a minute, wait a minute. We got to do something about that. We, we can't just sit around. It's allowing God to work in us and through us. And I share with my students, if that's the message you receive every year, every month, every week, every day, that you're an outcast, right? What is our response to that? I think to engage in relationships and to allow your light to shine with theirs that no, we're not. <laughs> we're not outcasts. Men, God is doing a great thing. He's doing a great thing in our city. He's using us for his glory. I think, again, I mentioned it earlier, but I believe it with all my heart. I think the next, God has prepared us these last hundred years for the next hundred years. He got us to this spot so we can make a difference in the next hundred years. That's our goal. That's our plan. That's what you'll see in the coming days. Thank you, Todd. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our midst. We are excited for the days ahead. We really do believe you have great things in store. In Jesus' name, amen.